and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 49th episode of the podcast for the week of April 22nd, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our Animal Ambassador of the Week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic, and this week I am so happy to welcome Rhode Island-based Reiki master and soon-to-be pharmacist John Houlihan to join me in a discussion on energy medicine in a Western world. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. I also have a tip jar on the front page of my website if you would like to contribute that way. You can find that over at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady is continuing along in her waning cycle and starts out the week in the fiery enthusiasm of Sagittarius before she slides into the pragmatic earth of Capricorn later on Tuesday. She hangs out in this get-it-done energy throughout midweek until she moves into the innovative era of Aquarius on Friday, and where she will make her last quarter position late in the afternoon. She hangs out in this social realm for the majority of the weekend before she moves into Pisces later on Sunday. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. All right, my friends. Well, this week, the universe is not letting up. (laughs) Um, We have, what do we have? So much. So we have the sun making its first conjunction to Uranus and Taurus. So that is big news. We also have Pluto stationing retrograde, which is definitely big news. Um, And along with that, we have Mars making a square to Neptune, a last quarter moon in Aquarius. And then, of course, Saturn is slowing way down itself to make its own station uh, conjunct the south node at the beginning of next week. So this week is has plenty going on. So let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Sagittarius, and she will make an opposition to Mars and a square to Neptune. 
And so uh, it is also Earth Day on Monday, just an official Earth Day, just so you know, uh, which is so perfect because we have the sun making a conjunction to Uranus in Taurus. And Taurus is all about our Mother Earth here. So uh, it seems very fitting for an Earth Day. So let's talk about the sun conjunction to Uranus. And so the sun, that is our life force energy, that it helps give vitality, but it also gives us the conscious awareness as it spotlights uh, something that we need to take note of. Um, But it also helps to turn the page along the way, because once you are aware, there is no going back. Uh, and also conjunctions are new cycles. So the energies are merging to begin, together to begin a new, uh, you know, just that, a new cycle. And so what is our sun merging with? And that is Uranus, who is all about a fast and maybe unexpected change or some sort of turnaround where we are awakened uh, and need to free up something or liberate something. And within that, that can bring some sudden storms our way. So, uh, now we do want to note because this is happening in Taurus that Venus is very important uh, in this aspect, and Venus herself is going to be making a conjunction to Chiron uh, on Tuesday, which I'll get into in a second here. So, there's some there's levels to this transit, most certainly. And so with the sun meeting Uranus in conjunction for the first time since the Great Awakener has moved into Taurus, we can consider this time to be significant in becoming consciously aware of some of the flavors that we will be in for during this seven-year transit of Uranus through Taurus. So we are starting a new cycle of understanding where we need to free ourselves from limiting forces and restrictions from the past that are keeping us from innovating and moving on with our lives. And within the sign of Taurus, these things can be very deep-rooted and physical in nature, where money considerations uh, change or jobs and businesses shift in some way. Uh, So basically, some foundational quakes are taking place, but in a receptive way that may be infiltrating slow shifts, with the only thing in our way being whether or not we are open to the changing dynamic. Because a Taurus can definitely be stubborn at times. And so both planets are currently disposed by Venus, who is now in Aries and is about to conjunct Chiron, uh, which, like I said, more on that in a bit. So having Venus in her sign of detriment, because she is in Aries, is also supporting that that idea that certain situations cannot be held up any longer. And we may need to open to the energy of what is to come uh, by taking actions that help to balance the situation. This doesn't have to be a bad thing by any means, for there is an exciting quality that is underway. Yet we can expect the unexpected at this time too. And whatever comes in will give us that conscious understanding of where things are leading and what is to follow. So I like to say with Uranus transits, a good thing to do is maybe shake some things up before uh, it shakes you. (laughs) So the bottom line for Monday is is that we are feeling fired up with that moon in Sagittarius, yet there can be considerable tension or irritability when Luna opposes a mouthy Mars in Gemini. So be aware of going too far on a day like today, especially as Luna also squares Neptune and our reactions may not be coming from all that clear of a place. And especially since we have Mars square wearing Neptune later in the week. So we are getting a flavor of that transit on Monday as well. And so change is in motion and we can either get stuck in old beliefs and ideologies or we can align with the optimism that transitions taking place are, you know, 
part of our story, and it's also part of the greater good. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is in Sagittarius, but she will move to Capricorn uh, later in the afternoon here at Pacific time. And along the way, she'll make a conjunction to Jupiter, a trine to Uranus, and then a trine to the sun. And so that day, we have Venus making the conjunction to Chiron. Uh, And so Venus, Venus is our relationships, what we open up to, what we draw in, what we attract, uh, how we can keep our lives harmonious and in balance, Um, and, you know, what we open up to in regards to what's worth it or not. And so Venus, too, is having her new uh, cycle begin with Chiron. And so Chiron, if you remember from last week, because uh, Mercury was here, Chiron is going to bring some type of maybe trigger or, um, you know, something can set us off in a way or give like a... You know, just a more challenging feeling. But within that, it helps us bring healing opportunities through that wisdom that is taking place. So here we have Venus following in Mercury's steps as the messenger uh, made a conjunction to this point during last week's full moon. So now Venus and her relational energy meets the wounded healer, which can bring up triggers or some awkwardness when a planet uh, that is known for being receptive is put in an energy that wants her to hurry up and act. So there can be some pressure there that may trigger a shift in balance that Venus is not used to. Yet there is also wisdom to be found in this placement as we open up to new cycles around our own needs in life and what we'd like to attract to the self. So if triggers do come up at this time, go deeper into what it is you value in life. And if current conditions do not support those evaluations, then now would be the time to start fresh by asserting the self to draw in new conditions. Even the feeling of inspiration alone can be enough to open the energetic doors and signify that you are ready to open up to the new, for freedom and liberation is certainly highlighted with the simultaneous Sun-Uranus conjunction that I just spoke of. So the bottom line for Tuesday is that Today, we wake up in greater alignment with our personal growth, and we are willing to make changes for we are feeling good about the direction we are headed, especially as the moon conjuncts Jupiter. Um, And fiery passion and enthusiasm for shaking off old debris is now upon us, and we have a clearer vision of where life is headed. Yet later in the day, we feel the stark shift of Luna moving into Capricorn, and our energy begins to constrict and become more practical. So do not be surprised if the day holds all this promise, yet in the night, a dose of reality brings us back down to Earth again. So a little alone time may be soothing at this time. Now, on Wednesday, we have the moon officially in Capricorn, and she will square Venus super early on, like in the, like midnight. So <laughs> we're probably feeling that during a Tuesday. But she will also make a square to Mercury during the day on Wednesday. And so on Wednesday of note, we have Pluto, who is stationing retrograde in Capricorn. So... Okay, now taking into account all that I said prior, we have the added layer of Pluto stationing retrograde in Capricorn midweek, which means the planet known for causing great change while breaking down what no longer works will be extremely active this week. 
And with Saturn about to do the same next week, and the South Node being caught up within it all, these two weeks are going to be quite telling and probably taxing at the same time, with many shifts and curveballs being thrown externally so that we have the time during the retrograde cycle to process these outer happenings on the internal level. And so power and control dynamics are likely to be at the forefront with emotional intensity filtering in, especially in relation to the physical world and the structures we incorporate in our lives and those which hold up the very world that we live in. So there will be no doubt that the news and media will probably be quite active this week. Um, But really, transformative energies are now afoot and in a concentrated form. So do your best to go with the flow and resist the urge to fight what is out of your control. So the bottom line for Wednesday is is that Pluto is stationing as we have the moon in Capricorn. So this midweek energy may feel quite dense and heavy as the motions of change are pretty much upon us. Uh, And a midday square to Mercury can have us feeling excitable and restless. And with Mercury and Mars now in mutual reception, conversations are likely to be running rampant. So a lot of talk going on Wednesday. But don't mentally exhaust yourself, you know, because sometimes we need uh, or we may need to quiet the mind in order to answer our most pressing questions. So maybe getting into the body with some yoga or some light exercise may be beneficial to work off any stress you might be feeling uh, at this time. Now, on Thursday, we still have the moon in Capricorn, and she will make a sextile to Neptune, a conjunction to Saturn, and then, of course, a conjunction to Pluto, because those are so close to each other these days. And boy, can I feel it. Um, So there's nothing perfecting on Thursday. So the bottom line is that we are feeling the Pluto-Saturn-South Node conjunction, with both outer planets basically stationing at this time, and key pieces to the station story are likely to be upon on us um, because Luna is in Capricorn and conjuncting those planets. So, uh, you know, we are, <laughs> there is some rougher energy happening maybe throughout the latter half of this month. So just be prepared for that and you might already find yourself within it. Uh, so keep things in perspective. Um, But what you can do is take responsibility for the work and the duties that are now before you because the moon is in Capricorn, so we'll be highly aware of that. Um, Yet do your best not to, you know, try not to fall into an overly negative or depressive state because that can totally happen uh, with this type of energy at this point in time. So if you do find yourself there, you know, honor the emotion, uh, but maybe transmute the energy by doing something practical or useful to help you and your current situation in the moment. Because sometimes just, uh, you know, doing something that's necessary and practical can help alleviate the Capricorn moon woes, as I know, being born in that position. So now on Friday, we have the moon now in Aquarius, and she will make her last quarter moon square um, at around three, quarter after three here in the p.m. time on the Pacific coast. Uh, And along her journey on Friday, she will square Uranus, square the sun, and then make a sextile to Venus. So let's talk about that last quarter moon in Aquarius real quick, Uh, because this is going to happen at six degrees Aquarius. This will also be triggering that Sun-Uranus conjunction. 
So even though we are, you know, a handful of days past the Sun-Uranus conjunction, we have that last quarter moon in Aquarius that's going to trigger this configuration in hard aspect again, which is likely to bring more, maybe more of the unexpected our way, uh, while also kind of giving an emotionally restless feeling. And so this could certainly be uh, in the form of outer triggers that are happening in the world sphere, as Aquarius is the sign of the people. Yet with this being in an air sign uh, that attaches its, you know, because air signs like to attach itself or entertain future potentials. So some of the stress may come from the need to break free from something or to be able to be yourself and own it within society or the tribe that you run with. Yet there is innovation that can come out of moments that have friction like this. So, you know, open up to the -the out-of-the-box solutions that may be able to help guide the way forward. And as these are, you know, this is taking place in fixed energies. So it can be a little more stubborn, stubborn, (laughs) stubborn. So try not to find yourself uh, maybe in an ideological stalemate at this time. So the bottom line for Friday is is that the moon now triggers that Sun-Uranus conjunction during last quarter, so we have another day of tension or disruption that may be a little unsettling. And regardless of outer conditions, this is meant to be processed on more of an internal level because, you know, last quarter moons are all about the crisis of consciousness, which is an inside job type of thing. Um, But luckily, that sextile to Venus can help us open to maybe... to get some of that self-care we need uh, and, you know, to act in a way that honors the self. And so we may feel like we need a little space for me time. Um, So if you do need some, you know, take that space. There's no shame in that. Um, And really another way to kind of alleviate some of the pressure is to do something a little different today or a little out of the ordinary uh, because Aquarius likes to, you know, get out of that box or that comfort zone. And so by doing so, you're going to allow yourself to open your mind and your perspective of what, you know, future possibilities truly look like. So, you know, get get out of the box a little bit today. Now, on Saturday, the moon is in Aquarius still, and she will make a sextile to Mercury and a trine to Mars. And so Saturday, we have the the Mars. You know that Mars. Oh, I know that Mars. (laughs) We have Mars squaring Neptune. And so... Okay, so this is a this is a fun one. Um, well, what is Mars? Well, Mars is our motivation. You know how we act, how we what we put our energy into. Um, it can also bring up aggression or uh, maybe a little bit of anger, or you know it, it's it's uh, propelling us forward in some way. And so that uh, that Mars is being is meeting. Man, you'd think it's Mercury retrograde right now. (laughs) Mars is meeting Neptune in a square. And as we know with squares, they create tension and friction, but it also creates events and action and challenge in our lives. Um, And so what is being activated at this time? Well, that is Neptune. And Neptune uh, is when things have no boundaries any longer. And maybe uh, there is a dissolving type of energy or a diffusing type of energy Um, It can contribute to maybe some anxiety, some confusion, uh, maybe some loss, Um, but also it helps us get in touch with more of that ethereal realm and maybe some spiritual inspiration along the way. 
And so to add another challenging dynamic to this week, (laughs) we also have this paralysis-inducing configuration taking place because that can happen when Mars squares Neptune because it dissipates that assertion and that energy. And so Neptune um, is a it's just that, a planet that can dissolve our efforts. And Mars is actually that, our efforts. <laughs> so we may feel a little weaker in constitution this week. Um, you know, you might just not have the oomph that you normally do, uh, which can manifest physically or, you know, some people may get a little under the weather or just not have it in them as much as, as normal, especially if this is hitting more personal planets in your chart. Um, but it can also get us into a space of maybe intellectual doubt, especially with Mars and Gemini, because it's working in that air faculty, or maybe feeling inferior in some way, you know, like lesser than. Uh, but basically, we can find it a little hard to cope this week. And so we may find our actions feel like they're getting us nowhere, because that, that can definitely, when Mars and Neptune meet, that's it can feel like maybe uh, we're running in circles in, in some way. We're just not making any traction. Um, But of course, with Mars, who is currently in mutual reception with Mercury and Aries, the intellect's going to be fired up and the mouth is probably going to be running with a quickness. (laughs) Hence, we may may be talking ourselves in circles, but not actually going anywhere, like, you know, physically or doing anything there. So there can be kind of an exhaustion just there alone. And so there may not, there may be, well, especially with this, there may be some activity behind the scenes at this time um, where things aren't exactly as clear as they look. Like there might be a lot of speculation. Things aren't as, you know, activity is going on, but it's not in the forefront. So there is some trickster energy to it. So be aware of that um, in case, you know, you decide you want to pull the wool over someone's eyes or, you know, someone's putting that knit cap on yourself, you know, that we don't want to hide things this week because if the energy is, <laughs> is not supporting that by any means. So take your time this week and don't force anything, especially with this aspect. Um, Now, on the other hand, on a positive note, this is a great time to connect spiritually, uh, maybe with some meditation or some breath work, especially with Mars and Gemini, uh, because that can help to release maybe some nervous energy um, that might be here or some anxious energy, and then it will allow you to connect with the self in a meaningful way. And so despite the potential difficulty with this current configuration, we can also activate an understanding of where we want to take action once we are aligned with spiritual rather than egoic motivations. So, you know, there is a purpose for this transit by, you know, there is. (laughs) So just keep that in mind. So now the bottom line for Saturday is is that life lightens up a bit today and communications are on overdrive as Luna makes flowing aspects to both Mercury and Aries and Mars and Gemini. And so social energy is up, and if we've had an eventful week, we may want to air it out with our friends and associates. You know, we might want to just have to get it off our chest and and share everything we've been thinking so it doesn't swirl around in our head a million times over. Um, But with Mars squaring Neptune uh, in that you know, because that can may diffuse our energies. So don't try to push too hard for anything today or really this week, like just to 
configuration alone, we, this is not a pushing type of energy. So what you can do is you can entertain your options, especially with that moon in Aquarius, because we can get that a bigger picture of the future and, and our vision. But I would recommend going no further at this time as far as action is concerned. Now, on Sunday, the moon is in Aquarius, but she will move into Pisces around midday here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she'll make a sextile to Jupiter and then a sextile to Uranus. And so uh, we don't have any aspects. (laughs) We're done with our aspects for the week. So the bottom line for Sunday is, is that energy lightens uh, a bit on Sunday and then and helps us to open the door to say yes to a little fun because there might, fun may have been a little elusive this week at times. So, um, you know, either maybe through the spirit of adventure or through socializing with our friends and our loved ones, or maybe a both, you know, getting together with our friends to go do something fun and adventurous, this is highly um, uh, beneficial on Sunday and can help release maybe some tension. And so luckily that moon Aquarius will have us feeling uh, detached enough to open up to where the future is headed. Um, So that is good. Uh, But once Luna moves into Pisces later in the day, we're going to feel our sensitivities uh, rise up again. But, you know, now's a good time to listen in for you may receive a psychic nudging that can help bring some unique understandings in regards to, uh, you know, where you're currently evolving in life, especially after... um, Um, probably a a significant week of just movement, understanding, um, all that. So yes, Sunday does have some fun to it. So be sure to get in there. All right, so to wrap it all up, you know, that was a lot, but what else is new in the planets? (laughs) So life is shaking up this week and the theme of liberation and change is before us. At times it may feel like all too much, yet in other moments we see the grander vision at play. There is still more to the story as Saturn is set to station while conjuncting the south node early next week, so remain patient with the current planetary vibes, yet honor the awareness that is now coming in. All right, so now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little extra something uh, to what I'm saying here. And I think this week they add a wonderful something to what I'm saying. And so this week I drew the sun as the focus and the ace of swords as the grounding. And so with the sun as the focus, I'd say this is looking like a nice omen for the week, you know, despite all that (laughs) I have said already. Um, But, you know, duh, it makes complete sense as the sun makes its first conjunction with Uranus and Taurus. So, of course, we're going to have sun moments this week. Uh, So when this card comes up, we are becoming consciously aware of a more positive and optimistic state, particularly as the card follows the uncertainty and the fear uh, of the moon card, which comes before it in the tarot deck. So now we are basically in this place of realization as things are coming to light and we feel confident within our positions, you know, because, you know, awareness is is everything. Sometimes just being aware of something helps to uh, bring the optimism back in because the uncertainty doesn't, can't swirl around any longer. And so there is a strong confidence to, to this card. So we are likely to feel the fires of life radiating within us this week, and we will be focused on the pursuit of success, happiness, and abundance in our lives. 
Now, with the Ace of Swords as the grounding, our sun moment will be grounded in the fact that mental breakthroughs and clarity are coming in at this time. And these new ideas that are popping up are helping to give us the courage we need to focus our power on the goals that are important to us. Especially with Pluto stationing this week and Saturn beginning to station too, you know, there may be times where power and control outside of us are issues. Uh, But there is also personal authority and self-control that once stepped into can be of great benefit for us uh, when we're trying to align our lives with the direction that we truly seek. So I love these two cards together, and I'm I'm really looking forward to see how they play out this week because there is a kind of a double dose of clarity that is coming in. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the Black Panther. <laughs> Black cat, nine life short days, long nights, living on the edge, not afraid to die. Okay, so I had to get my inner Janet out there because I totally thought of the Black Cat song, which I just loved as a kid. Uh, And I also love the appearance of this powerful feline this week, for she is here to tell us to follow our passions, whatever they may be, for that is the lifeblood of our existence on this planet. So if you are passionate about something, there is no reason not to pursue it, for it will continually feed life back to you. And so our passions also represent our true inner selves, for, you know, those are what the passions are basically what stoke the fires within. So what you're passionate about says a lot about who you truly are. Now, following your passion may be challenging, as we well know, yet the reward in living your truth is worth the work itself. So even if it's not clear-cut at this time how it will all play out, you know, all those details and moving parts, now's the time to honor who you are and what makes you feel alive, and then follow that pursuit. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how it'll interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. And so all levels of tarot practitioners, from beginners to professionals, can take part in these custom spreads uh, that I release every Sunday to basically align the planetary energies that I'm talking about in a custom spread that can help you draw cards uh, to understand these placements and how they play out for you personally. And so last week we worked on ideas into reality. And this week, we're going to be working on examining the self. So if you want to find out more or to check out a freebie spread, you can do so over, do so over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am happy to welcome this week's special guest. We have John Houlihan with us. Hi, John. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to have you. You were a recommendation uh, by someone who is dear to you, I am sure, Verge the Astrologer, who was on a few podcasts ago, uh, and we talked about astrology things. Um, But John's going to be joining us today to divert into another subject that is uh, also quite fascinating, and I can't wait to talk to him more about it. We're going to be talking about energy medicine in a Western world here. Um, But before we get started, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Um, so I am 23 years old. I'm from Long Island, New York. Um, I'm in my last semester of pharmacy school at the University of Rhode Island. So I'm in New England in the States. Um, it's been a six year program, so I'm seeing the light. I'm graduating <laughs> next month. So I have a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of movement coming my way, which I'm excited about. Um, and I know we talked about this off air, but I'll just say my sun, moon, and rising for the listeners just so they can feel my energy a bit more. So I'm a Libra sun, uh, Taurus moon, and a Sagittarius rising. Um, yeah, and my passion in this lifetime is to kind of merge and bring some integrity to the Eastern medicine practices or kind of that holistic energy medicine work and kind of tie that in with my pharmacy profession. Um, and it's been going pretty well so far. Uh, throughout my academic career, I've done some research um, in mindfulness and brought like a meditation group and a yoga practice to my university, actually. So mm. it's just been a really beautiful unfolding uh, the past few years of my life. So I'm oh, I love here it. And- share my story with you. Yay. And, and John, you're, you're also a Reiki master, correct? You Yes. Yes. Um, that's the kind of other half of my brain or world. Um, but I kind of see it all as one. Yes. I'm a Reiki master of the Holy Fire lineage. Um, for those who know what that means, if not, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I finished my Reiki master training in October of 2017. Um, yeah, and that was like such an awakening experience. I'm a completely different person in so many good ways. Mm. Um, and it's just been, yeah, very beautiful and powerful. <laughs> well, I find that those, you know, the Reiki discipline emerged with you taking this more, um, you know, traditional approach to Western medicine. I mean, obviously, far- being uh, trained to be a pharmacist, you know, we don't necessarily think that those two worlds collide um you know and and it's not that we don't think that it's just our system is set up to where they're completely different entities when kind of what you were saying uh, earlier just in your describing your own life that it should be more of a holistic practice where all these things are coming in to work with each other and to help you know supplement versus having these two completely separate worlds um and so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about here today is is <laughs> Or is just that and why that is and where that's going. And, the, you know, because I'm sure a lot of us are quite curious, um, especially for those who don't know much like myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so before, so I guess we'll start with the uh, energy healing work in, in general. And I've had a few Reiki masters on the program before, but none with the unique take that you're going to have um, as far as Western medicine is concerned. Mm-hmm. So just energy healing work. I mean, how, how does it work? How does that work? What's going on there? (laughs) What's happening to Uh, me when I have a Reiki treatment? (laughs) Yes. Such a good question. Um, So I'll give you kind of like my scientific spiritual hybrid answer to that. Okay. So in short, um, the body is made of energy. So you can't really have physical matter without an energetic component to it, right? So we know in quantum physics, they talk about the waveform duality, how everything is simultaneously 
both a particle and a wave. It's just a probability, quote unquote, that you know the physical matter is in this time, in this dimension, and we're experiencing it right now. So um, that's one aspect. And then I also like to tell people about how um, there was a scientist back in the day, back in the early 1900s, named uh, Ernest Rutherford. You might have remembered his name from chemistry class in high school. If not, <laughs> it's okay. Um, essentially, he was doing work trying to de- trying to discover the anatomy of an atom. And he had this experiment where he set up um, a plate with gold foil on it, and he was shooting really tiny alpha particles at the sheet of gold, essentially. And there were these sensors around the piece of foil to measure uh, if any of the particles were bouncing off um, to kind of see, you know, is this actually solid? Is it not solid? Are there like what makes up everything was the question in that day. Mm. And what he found was that 99.99999% of the time, the particles would shoot right right through the gold foil and end up directly on the backside, Mm. kind of implying that there was nothing there, but there was clearly a piece of gold right in front of him. So something we take for granted in like chemistry and science is that all atoms are made up of mostly empty space and mostly meaning like 99%. Yeah. <laughs> so if we apply that to the human body, um, you know, if you were to zoom in to your hand, zoom into the cellular level, you could see all your cute little organelles and your DNA. You zoom in more, you could see all the molecules that make up all your proteins, um, the individual like base pairs of the DNA. And if you zoom in more, you'd see the atoms zoom in more and then it's kind of like that quantum level where we're still discovering but at the root of it all everything's energy that empty space they talk about isn't actually empty um that's just kind of like the freely moving um infinite space that we all carry so i guess you could say that's kind of like the scientific version of like source or Mm -hmm. goddess that whole like the all in my opinion. So Reiki works uh, on that energetic plane, right? So essentially everything that you're made of is mostly energy. So therefore the body can respond to energy medicine. So when you're receiving a Reiki treatment, it's almost um, like a backdoor to treating symptoms. So clinicians and doctors will say, okay, like you have something wrong with your liver and they'll give you like a targeted therapy just for that symptom at that organ. Um, But when you kind of work with Reiki and energy medicine and you talk about organs, you have to take into account like all of the other layers of the body um, and the energetics that have brought that problem to manifest. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're kind of going beyond just the physical symptom when you work with energy medicine. So really, you do really kind of need a global understanding um, and a quantum understanding of the physical realm. Mm, I love that. And, it, 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 you know, it totally makes sense because if you do zoom in repeatedly into the body, into anything that is, um, you know, organic or, or, well, anything, anything really. And, you know, the table, you know, right. you're going to get down to uh, the, this 
vibratory space that is inside of it. Um, and, you know, even down, you get down to the, the atom itself, but the atom itself, you know, within the nucleus and the electrons and the protons and everything that's going around there, there's still that all that space. And so we're, you know, there it, we seem dense, <laughs> some of us more than others. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, maybe not. Uh, but, you know, we, it's, it's true. Like there is not anything quite as solid as we think there is there. I mean, oh, I had a, a story, this quick story, because I love my stories, but, <laughs> and, and I could have been crazy in the moment, but I totally felt it. Because even as a child, I had this idea that we lived in a holographic universe. Like I didn't think that anything was necessarily there to, you know, like it was more of a something that you would see. And I remember um, about a decade ago, I, I used to sell vintage clothing online and I would model it myself and I'd be doing my poses against the wall, you know, trying to look cool or something. Uh, and then one day I was doing this and I went to go lean on the wall in my normal time, kind of cool pose. And I swear to God, I just kind of fell through it a little bit. I lost, I lost my, what I thought was there, you know, the heart of the wall just was not there. And I like literally stumbled back into it and I looked around completely sober <laughs> and was just looking at the wall. I was like touching it because I've done this so many times and I knew exactly where my body was, but there was just this strange, uh, you know, discrepancy in that space time moment. Um, and it was so interesting because I think it was short after I had read this book by, uh, I think his name's Gregory Braden, who was talking about spontaneous healing, a uh, belief of healing. And, uh, and how our concept of time and energy and all that is not, you know, it's not as linear. And the, these moments uh, can totally happen that don't seem to make sense to us because, it, you know, the universe isn't quite how we imagine it. <laughs> um, and, you know, anyways, I'm going off on a tangent here, but it kind of reminded me of what you were saying there and like what I took for granted as this really dense, you know, straightforward thing as a wall in that moment didn't serve that function for me. Um, and, and I will, I'll never forget that moment. Um, so, so energy is so important. And like you said, with the liver, like it say someone comes in with a liver, uh, you know, problem, and I'm sure they're diagnosing medicine. That's just to attend to that. But why is that liver in the shape it is in to begin with? Um, and how did those, you know, the emotional self um, and the, because these are all the energy bodies that are around us, right, John? What, what's, what are the energy bodies that are circling around us? There's quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're familiar with the chakra system, essentially there's a layer for each chakra. Mm. Um, some of the names may escape me, but you know, you have the root, which is the physical, and then you have the mental um, which is kind of like that causal plane or however they call it, which is kind of just an outline around the physical mm -hmm. kind of expand outward and outward until you get through. Um, it's like, I know the, the crown is like the ketheric layer. So that's kind of just like the, um, your connection to source, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then there's some other belief systems where they only talk about like the four different bodies so it kind of depends on which book you read yes <laughs> who, who what you're aligning with with your belief exactly. there with that yeah but well there's definitely more than just the physical 
and what we think we know about the physical is just our perception. So right always up for debate <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely it reminds me of an old um video that was made by the eames um uh ray or ray and charles eames back in uh, the late 60s early 70s for ibm and so if you're not familiar with eames you know you can think of the eames chair they were uh legendary designers basically of like mid-century mm-hmm. modern stuff um but in in I think it was the late 60s, early 70s, they were commissioned by IBM to do this um, this uh, video called, I think it's called The Power of Ten. And so it starts uh, with this couple sitting on a blanket in, um, I want to say Chicago in a park. And so it starts pulling out by The Power of Ten. Uh, and then it gets, before you know, we're out into the solar system and further and further and past our galaxy and further and further. And they're showing all this exponential, you know, space essentially. But then after they do that, they rush back in and we rush back into the couple that is sitting on the grass and then into uh, the hand of one of those people. And they do that in reverse. And so we're going by the t- power of 10 into the skin and into the cell and exactly what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And it gets down into the space that is just that space. Um, and it shows the lack of you know, density there through these powers of 10. And so th- that video alone, it's worth watching. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's probably about 10 minutes. Um, and it was pretty revolutionary for its time. But uh, just watching that, it like dawned on me, like not only what we're talking about here in that space that's within the density of the, the physical self, but also those layers of magnification and how they seem to coincide with, you know, the known universe and then the known universe within our own body, you know, like, yes, blow your mind, basically. Yeah, it's like, um, as above, so below. Yes, absolutely. Because it was the same exact point being made, whether we zoomed all the way out into the known universe or we zoomed all the way into the unknown parts of our, you know, vibratory existence. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, and this is why energy medicine is so important um, and why we need greater acceptance of it within our, our systems and our, you know, this is kind of where we're leading here because it's, <laughs> it's so important, you know, like people get sick all the time because of, um, you know, if they think certain, have certain thought patterns, have certain emotional patterns, and if those things are pushed aside, you know, those are essentially vibrations within themselves that are coming from these bigger spheres. And they have to sit somewhere in that physical body, right? It has to go somewhere. It doesn't just disappear. And that's how we get this disease, right? Um, right. Yes. Love saying it like that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the dis. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's really how it, that's the, how the word should be basically, because that's what it is. It's dis-ease. Um, mm. it, you know, people get sick all the time when they're, you know, feeling run down or they've had a lot of emotional stuff happen to them, you know, been through the ringer. You get sick because yes. your physical yes. self's like, oof. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much more to, dis-ease than just the physical, like you were saying. Um, so in my head, what makes sense is, you know, people get sick uh, for a lot of reasons. So trying to treat them with one thing, even if you use three different pills, I consider um. that one modality. Mm-hmm. So if you have a multimodal disease process, you should have a multimodal treatment process. Mm. But uh, our common sense uh, <laughs> doesn't always 
mirror the systems that are in place right now, but they're yes. hopefully changing. Yes. Well, and it also has to do with just becoming uh, more aware and knowledgeable. And, you know, and I think that's where we're, we're getting to as more people like yourself are becoming practitioners of the, this, this discipline. Um, and it's becoming more popular. Um, and, you know, the, the more popular it becomes and the more people that are taking place in this, the more results we're going to have, right? Because, you know, when we look at medicine, it's a very scientific-based thing. And a lot of what we're talking about right now, when we're talking about causal bodies and things you can't see and like vibrating energies, like that stuff is hard to be measured and tested. And uh, that's essentially the way our world is run, you know, if it right. can't be measured or tested, then, you know, and it I mean, exist. it doesn't exist. <laughs> or even these days, they're like, oh, it's measured and test, but we won't believe it, you know, right? <laughs> which is right. another whole, that's a whole nother podcast. But um, <laughs> so, so, you know, how does it, how does it fit into the Western world that we have this very different system that's so pharmaceutical based, you know, how, uh, you know, it's not treating the cause. It's treating the symptom. And so, I mean, how do, how do we reconcile the two? What do we, what do, we do John? <laughs> Tell us the answers now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will do my best. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of effort from a lot of different people. What I will say is this medicine that we're experiencing in the Western world is new relatively like we've had pharmaceuticals for maybe 200 years mm-hmm. um and we've had like ayurveda and traditional chinese medicine and ancient healing practices from pretty much any culture because it's an innate human skill uh to like heal yourself and stay alive yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for thousands and thousands of years we've been practicing medicine and we didn't have these like miracle magic bullets that they call pills uh, or pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. So that's just right off the bat kind of where I live mentally. It's like, yes, um, sure. Show me the data. I can work in that system. But in my opinion and my belief system, I take it with a grain of salt because there's a lot of other ways to look at things. So and there are other people who think like me, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. Uh, yeah, I'm not alone. Um, I'm definitely a catalyst for a lot of people, but I don't feel necessarily alone, which is mm-hmm. good. Um, so about like reconciling the two, like I was saying earlier, I try not to keep them separate because at the end of the day, we're all going to be in a vibratory match for whatever healing modality um, our body needs at that time. Mm -hmm. So if you are in resonance um, with say like a metformin or some type of like diabetes medication, like you've let your body deteriorate and develop these physical symptoms, there is, um, there could be a benefit for you from taking a pharmaceutical and working on the physical layer. Um, there's a lot more you can do. <laughs> yes. Like you were saying, um, in the mental body, in the emotional body, perhaps there are blockages or things that you have not worked through, which have caused you to make poor food choice decisions. Um, or, well, people who are born with like type one diabetes, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, 
but for those who your disease is kind of preventable and your life choices and all those blockages and conditionings that you have, that we all have, um, lead you down this line, those can also be worked on. And that's kind of the more energetic and uh, unseen aspect. Um, So when I see someone, (laughs) I'm seeing it all. But until we have, unfortunately, until we have research and data and all of those like yes. systematic work. That empirical that we, stuff that yes. they want. <laughs> yes. Until we have some of that, um, that's really like research is a huge driving force in medicine. Mm. Um, even in like the time frame that I've been studying pharmacy in school, like changes in practice have come about because we discover like, oh, like there's some uh, controversy about aspirin right now in the pharmacy world. Oh, um, yeah. What is that about? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, um, for those who are at cardiac risk of a cardiac event or have had one, it has always been recommended to take aspirin, a baby. Oh, aspirin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some data coming out now that is saying, well, maybe there really isn't any benefit to that. So, things are always shifting. Um, it's kind of just putting ourselves in the position to be the drivers of that shift. Um, so while all of our, uh, technologies in the energy medicine world are kind of unseen or could be, you know, attributed to the placebo effect, which I'll talk about too. Yes. (laughs) That's interesting too. (laughs) Uh, there are new technologies being developed that are allowing us to see the aura. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the BioWell device. No. Essentially, yes. So this is something anyone with like $2,000 can buy, um, which is <laughs> <not> the most <laughs> accessible <laughs> I'll start saving. <laughs> right. And uh, it's run on a technology called gas discharge visual- visualization technology. And essentially you put your finger in the little machine and it runs a like super, super weak electric current. Like you won't feel a shock, but it runs mm. a very rapid and weak electric current and measures the biophotons that are being emitted from each finger. Each finger in Chinese medicine relates to one of the meridians of the body, mm. which is just an energy channel and each one is correlated to a different body system, a different organ, etc. So from the data they collect on each finger, they can make a kind of like map of your chakra centers and your overall energy fields to see where any depletions or overactivities are. Um, and there's actually, well, the scientist who, invent, who invented it is in Russia. So a lot of the literature comes from Russia, mm-hmm. but there are some studies over there where they're comparing that as a diagnostic tool to an MRI. Um, so if we think mm. about MRIs, like super invasive contrast dye is toxic to the kidneys, but we give it to people like every single day. Um, and the BioWell device is just 10 finger scans and it's been shown to be about 80% as accurate in diagnosing disease pathology as an MRI. In that oh, study. But wow. There's, there's like, there's research happening. Um, you just kind of have to be the one to go and dig for it and really kind of be an advocate for energy medicine because, you know, 
our beliefs are strong. Belief is a super important part of energy medicine yes. as well as intention. So those of us who hold those beliefs and intentions kind of have a due diligence to do to merge the, merge that gap and mm-hmm. be like, hey, like we're not just new age millennials talking about foo-foo stuff that the people in the 60s were talking about. Like there is, there is data coming. Yeah. So, it There's, seem mm-hmm. like it's very sparse and separate, but that's kind of an agenda in itself. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my, that's fascinating about that machine. And I mean, I had to have an MRI last year, um, mm. which I never thought I would have to have one, but I was having uh, these little, these, these like kind of electrical pulses that were going on in the right side of my head where I felt like I was having some nerve issue. And so they ordered a brain MRI for me, which by the way is terrifying. If you're, if you're (laughs) remotely claustrophobic like myself, um, you know, they put the hat on you that looks like Hannibal Lecter and, uh, and I had to have the contrast die. I had to do contrast, no contrast, which is also very, um, you know, can be rough on, on the system and just the whole experience. Because I mean, I have to go in there, then I have to come back out, be shot up with something and then go back in there again, close my eyes and just, you'll be okay. Don't look, don't open your eyes. I knew if I opened my eyes, it was going to be over just because (laughs) I I don't do well with small spaces. I I just need my freedom. Um, yes. Luckily it was not, there was no, nothing wrong with my brain. Um, (laughs) but you know that, like you said, that, and, and then where they shot me up with the dye, like that, that was weird. And my arm for like a good week plus, like it had like a hard thing, like that it, it didn't, it kind of hurt, you know, like wasn't like giving blood. It was just, yeah. So it's uncomfy. It's very much uncomfortable. I would have loved to stuck, have stuck my finger pads on some, <laughs> you know, I would have rather done that. Now, is that... Um, is that uh, machine kind of like the the Kirlian photography yes. that they're doing with the with the auras? Precisely, it's kind of um, the two of that. Okay, so the Kirlian effect kind of catalyzed this whole wave of research, and mm-hmm. now GDV, the gas discharge visualization, is like the new version of that. It just goes deeper. Well, and you know what's so crazy about that is I had my first um, aura for- photograph uh, over when I was in at UAC back in May, and uh, it was actually only a couple months after I had to have that MRI, and I was going through the first time in my life I had really bad vertigo. I had never experienced this in my life. It was like I was living in two different worlds, like my body was constantly... It was just rough. I landed, I got off the plane in Chicago and it just was there. And and it was there for like a good month plus after I went home. Like it, something triggered and it was just there. I was going up through all these elevators, which wasn't helping me because I live, you know, in a very flat, you know, like, but I got the, I got the photograph taken and I came out in the photograph with a double exposure. Yes. And so she pulled it out and she showed me and she's, I was like, does this happen uh, very often? And and she's like, no, that's not very typical. I'm sure it's happened before, of course, but um, I couldn't help. But I mean, I didn't tell her that I was suffering from vertigo, but I was looking at it and I was thinking to myself, this is literally how I feel right now on the inside. 
and this photograph is depicting it on the outside. And um, that really, it is powerful. And it's, it's even more powerful now that you're telling me about this other technology that is taking this, you know, you know, even further because how would it have known that? Why would it have come out that way? You know, like that was a clear representation of how my own body, what the equilibrium or the lack of equilibrium that was going on inside. And so, yeah. Right. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, that so, I mean, I'm glad you're feeling better. Yes, I, me too. There's that's nothing worse than awesome. vertigo. Oh my God. You can't do anything about it. That's the thing. It's like, you can't, like, you just kind of have to live with it. And I, in through my own journey with it, I ended up meeting other people that have been afflicted. And I mean, some of the people that I had talked to had been afflicted like a lot of their life. And I just couldn't imagine that. Um, and so I'm so glad it's gone. I was having some rough Neptune transits, clearly. <laughs> I was like vacillating <laughs> back and forth, which is so funny because that's actually kind of why I wanted to talk to John this week because we have Mars square Neptune. And Neptune, um, just in general, I mean, Neptune is, so, is associated with, with drugs and, and especially mm-hmm. painkillers and things that uh, help take pain away or to like, uh, you know, dissolve to escape um and even to dissolve certain things in in our 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 systems you know because if we think like you were saying like we can't get rid of the pharmaceuticals because clearly there are advancements there that have helped the human race live as long as they're living these days you know like right. i don't know antibiotics <laughs> um <laughs> th- those are good things uh but there's also the overuse of antibiotics too which is creating these super bugs that are yes, yes. and so that's that's a problem and and so that might be a problem within the system itself right because exactly. people are selling pharmaceuticals <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. there are there are prescription drug dealers, um, a plenty, a plenty. Um, yeah, and with uh, antibiotics, actually, like a big um, field in pharmacy is antimicrobial stewardship. So, kind of taking that responsibility to combat all of those risks, um, mm-hmm. which is great. I love like learning about that, and it's really cool. Um, to be in that position. But another thing about antibiotic resistance is that like 70% of the antibiotics used right now are used on livestock. So oh. a lot of the resistance is driven by like the food industry and stuff like that. So oh. even that is beyond like it's all unfortunately connected. All the bad guys are connected just as much as all the good guys. That makes a lot of sense though, because you know that is um, that has been in, in our awareness for a while now, you know, the animals that have been pumped up with antibiotics that then turn into our food source and why, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people, uh, I mean, I've, as a vegetarian, I have steered away there, but you know, I still drink, like I have certain dairy products and things along those lines and try to go organic and, or locally sourced, you know, to, to, you know, get away from that. But the majority of people out there, are, you know, partaking in these animals that have been pumped with something. And I always have this theory, and this might just be in my mind, but uh, it makes a lot of sense because I was in the shoe industry for a long time, and I've always had an obsession with shoes. It must be my Pisces South Node. I just love shoes. Even as a 13-year-old, I had like 80 pairs. It was ridiculous. Um, 
But as I got into uh, the all the background of the footwear industry and styles and you know everything that had gone on in the 20th century, I found it fascinating that in the uh, in the 40s, the common shoe size for a woman uh, was a five and a half. Uh, American. Uh, And in the 60s, the common shoe size was a six and a half. And then by like 2000, the common footwear size for women was a nine. And so I thought to myself immediately upon learning that, that that had everything to do with hormones and our food. That's the only thing that I could think of that would have such like a rise in like the size of our bodies, the size of our feet, you know, like do I have any basis there? Or is my mind just making that up? Would that? <laughs> hard to I mean, say. It's hard to say. But that's but where I, I went. My heart says yes. Yeah. <laughs> my heart because, says yes to be determined. To be determined, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm. I would be willing to bet that uh, just the agricultural, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all that. That's happened since that period in the you know the mid twentieth century. Um, it, there has to be a significance there. I just don't know how else would that explain just a rapid growth like that. You know, <laughs> um, that's so fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, now now you know. I'm sure it's the same for men's feet as well because you know it's like and just being uh you know buying vintage clothes for you know a couple decades. I clearly can see the most common sizes and what, you know, and people have grown considerably. And um, I can only see that being in relation to some of the hormonal things and, you know, that we've been putting in our, in our system. Um, So yeah, that's very interesting too. (laughs) Um, So clearly there needs to be an improvement here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for a couple couple things, not only our food supply, uh, but the the pharmaceutical companies themselves, uh, interlocking energy medicine within it, uh, because that seems to be it seems like we have to marry these two in order to really take advantage of what it is we know about uh, science, but also what it is we know about ourselves. Because, like you pointed out earlier. It's easy to be like, oh, yes, well, the pharmaceutical companies, you know, we got this pill, do it. It's new. It's science. It it knows what it's doing. (laughs) But like you pointed out, you know, thousands of years before that, we were doing something completely different that was more organic and intuitionally, that's not even a word, but (laughs) uh, understood. And so, I mean, do you think we're getting away from ourselves or are we advancing? Wow, that's deep. It is deep. I, as I said, I think, it. I. Yeah. Well, I think. I think what what we are told is advancement. Um, so, lifespan prolongation. Yes, I'll call that an, an advancement. Mm-hmm. But the practice of medicine that we that the Western model is, um, I would say, is is getting away from ourselves, right? Like our bodies are innately always healing and always trying to return to balance. So if you're out of sync or out of touch with the part of you that, that is creating that homeostasis, then that's where things go awry. Mm. So when we get a cut, it's not there forever, right? It heals. We always are trying to return to that state of grace and that state of balance. So to be to know thyself is to heal thyself. 
I believe that for sure. Mm. So that is something else that's missing. Yeah. This actually brings up something that I wanted to talk about is that yes, um, like evidence-based medicine and scientific truth is highly valued in our materialist and reductionist model of understanding things. But personal truth is so important as well. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the experiences people have with energy medicine are what you would call like case reports, like one-on-one scenarios where, you know, it's not like a huge thousand people study that's conducted by some hospital. So to ignore someone's personal truth and their story is kind of um, irresponsible and (laughs) a little bit not nice in my opinion. So Mm -hmm. just finding truth in different ways beyond science is another kind of bridging the gap aspect to consider as well. Yeah. That, that's super interesting. And it kind of like falls into what we were just, well, I mean, kind of, but you had brought up placebo effect earlier. Um, and because that's, that's something that's common when they're testing out uh, new methods, new, well, mostly, you know, pharmaceuticals, because obviously placebo is the pill, right? Um, it's just a sugar pill. And so they'll put people in uh, groups, you know, they have a group that's actually taking the medicine and they have a group that is just taking the placebo, but everyone thinks they're taking the medicine. And uh, I mean, how do those numbers check out? They're kind of close right? To like, who thinks they're feeling better or getting healed? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so the, pl- the placebo effect is like one of the most beautiful phenomena that we take for granted mm. every day in the medical world. So how powerful is it that if you give someone a saline injection or a sugar pill, and they believe that it is going to make them better and heal the issues they have, they get better. A certain percentage of the people get better just by belief alone, which, you know, think about that for two seconds. And it's like, wow, like my belief, my energy, my intent, my attitude can affect my biology. Like why, what, where is all that data and research? Right. That is what really, really lights my fire. Um, So the placebo effect is definitely real and translates in pretty much any research project that you're ever going to read or conduct. Um, But especially in like psychology and psychiatric medicine, Mm. um, like a lot of the research that brought SSRIs to market and different psych meds, um, like the efficacy rate compared to placebo is like 50%. So, you know, how can you tell someone that that is the optimal gold standard treatment when only half of the people that take it will benefit from it? Like I said earlier, if your body is in a vibrational match with that medicine and you benefit from it, I like amazing. So much love for that. But if you're putting all your power, all of your intention into a pill that only has half of a, like a 50-50 shot of working, why not just remove the pill and believe in yourself and kind of manifest that healing that you're looking for? 
Um, well, yeah, but it's almost like you need a certain level of confidence in order to do that because right. that's the thing, you know, we think that this pill is, you know, in case studies show that it has helped, you know, 88% of the people, you know, like, and you're like, oh, well, I got a good chance here. But, but like you said, I mean, if that particular medicine is not a vibratory match for you, I mean, this, this is in line with something that's been around for thousands of years, you know, like the, uh, the four humors and medicine within, you know, the choleric, the sanguine, um, the melancholic uh, and the phlegmatic and how, you know, that's how they used to treat people back in the day. You know, if you had, if you were overrun with too much choleric, you know, you know, you're going to have either a sympathy or an antipathy uh, type of medication come in, uh, their version of medication that would help to alleviate the problem. Sometimes you needed more of what the problem was and sometimes you needed the antithesis of it in order to counteract it. Um, but each person was a case case scenario because it depended on what humors you were made up of to begin with. Yes. yes. Right. <laughs> and so here we are in this blanket pill, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as fantastic as it might be. And chances are, it's not going to work for everyone because that's just <laughs> right. the way bodies are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a little bit ignorant to not take into account like your individual constitution. Um, which is one reason why I love astrology, one reason why I love Ayurvedic medicine and Chinese medicine, because they use the elements. They, they um, describe what your body is made up of energetically and how it's going to respond to your external world, mm. which, yeah, it's like you need to know someone's perspective on life in order to treat them effectively. Yeah. Well, and that brings up a whole nother topic of, you know, <laughs> the idea of like, when you go to the doctor, they're like, what's wrong with you? This is wrong with me. Okay. This is what you're going to get. <laughs> but I mean, what's wrong with you can run the gamut of many more things that have could have gotten to, you know, that particular thing that you're trying to cure at that moment. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm wondering if we need to head in a way that's a more holistic, um, not in just the way that we're talking about right now, but also like if someone is ill, there should be not only the, the physical medicine, uh, but, you know, the therapy, um, you know, the, uh, you know, Reiki treatments, you know, all these things that need to come together to yes. like, that's really holistic. Sound. Yes. 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 Uh, sound <laughs> so powerful. Because we're back to the vibrations, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and being in tune, just as the Libra said, I love how you're like, balance. I'm like, yes, Libra, yes. yes. <laughs> you need it all. Like, you need it all. You needed both. Yeah. I <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So, you know, all right. So here you are in your final semester and you're about to become a, ph a pharmacist. And now are you going to be going into like our standard type of uh, like, well, could we find you in, you know, Walgreens or, you know, like things <laughs> along those lines? So, so given my, um, predisposition and given the fact that I am me, mm -hmm. I actually have attracted a pretty cool job for myself after graduation. Oh, cool. So I work for an independent pharmacy called Greenline Apothecary here in Rhode Island. And I actually accepted a residency position there starting in July. Mm. Um, so I'll be a pharmacy resident. If you're familiar with the medical process, medical students and pharmacy students, um, do kind of like training years. They're still licensed professionals, but it's kind of like more educational. Um, and I'll also be uh, teaching at Northeastern University once a week 
and as like a certificate program. So it's like a hybrid job, mm-hmm. but um, it's basically a fantasy pharmacy where we sell flower essences and uh, homeopathic medicine and natural products, but we are also a fully functioning pharmacy and we have a vintage soda fountain. So it's kind Aww. of like a, yeah, like a 50s new age pharmacy all in one. And my boss is so supportive of everything that I do. And she's like really trying to work hard to uh, make space for me to integrate my like meditation leadership skills and my Reiki practice and all of these things that I'm passionate about into her business model. So I'm so excited for that. So yes, you will find me in a pharmacy, but it is not a traditional store. And I hope that it stays that way forever. <laughs> yes. But, but you know, here you are uh, with a wonderful opportunity that could be a model for where we are needing yes. to go. And so we have to start somewhere, right? (laughs) Yes. And so I love that you're on the forefront of, you know, some of these hopefully significant changes if we can break free um, of the big business of pharma, because that's the reality of it here is like, we can talk about the pills all day and how they may or not, you know, match with what you're doing and everything. But the bottom line too, is that one of the biggest industries in the United States is the pharmaceutical industry. And it is, I mean, even just, it's so funny when you talked about aspirin and how they're like rethinking of like, if that is even good. Cause I remember in the eighties, when I was a child in the eighties, uh, there were bear commercials all the time. And it'd be yes. like, Oh, for your heart, good for your heart. And you're know, like, and, um, and uh, yep. the, that was our drug commercial. But now it has gotten to the point where I have to like mute commercial. I can't even, I'm like, I don't even know what you're selling. I don't even know the name. You just gave me a list (laughs) that I would never take in my, I I don't even know where the small benefit would be for that list. You know, like, what is that? Why is that? It's ridiculous. Okay. So this is a whole regulatory issue. Yeah. So pharmacy is probably the most regulated profession of all time, maybe besides like government workers, Mm. um, because you have the FDA as a bureaucratic agency that regulates the safety and efficacy of all the products that are made and come to market. You have the DEA, which controls and regulates all of the controlled substances that pharmacists dispense and tracks where they are. Um, and then you have, um, So those two are like scientific slash like safety based. Mm -hmm. And then you have the federal trade commission, which is in charge of regulating advertisements. (laughs) And weirdly enough, drug ads are not regulated by the FDA or the DEA. They're regulated by the federal trade commission. Mm. So as long as they say that long list of side effects in 30 seconds, they can kind of just make a commercial like a Coca-Cola commercial can make a commercial. And the regulations are, much more lax than they should be for like a chemical that you're choosing to ingest. I just think that that's like very irresponsible. Well, not only that, it's like, I mean, that's the purpose of the doctor. Like uh, ask your doctor about so-and-so. No, no, my, I should go to my doctor, say, this is the problem. And then they (laughs) should tell me about so-and-so like they're, they're, why am I we skipping the steps? You know, (laughs) It's unbelievable. So, I mean, it what is. is the benefit? Who's benefiting from these commercials? Is it just because it gets the drug out there more? People know they're asking about it, sells more uh, volume, or I mean, it's definitely a sales pusher for sure. 
Um, and physicians, um, like need to treat you with something when they come to the office. So they're making money based on the billing process that they do with the insurance company. Um, and you know, a lot of times patients have been through four or five treatment options for a certain disease state. So mm-hmm. when like a new hot drug comes on the TV, they're like, okay, I got to make a doctor's appointment. Um, I'm going to tell them about it and I want to be put on it. And then the doctor's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do it. So and, you know, not all doctors are evil. Not everyone is evil. Yes. But the system that is that we are all forced to work in mm-hmm. um, kind of constrains our <laughs> yeah. goodness of heart sometimes, whether we're conscious of it or not. So the benefit is totally for the pharmaceutical companies. Um, so and what I'm about to say is not to, like, incite compassion towards them. (laughs) The reason that that they are so pushy is because it takes about $20 billion from lab to market to create a pharmaceutical pill, Mm. injection or whatever. So they're making huge investments and they know that everyone is sick and they're going to eventually buy the product. So that's why you can see like a commercial for Humira which is uh, like an injectable agent for arthritis. And the commercial has nothing to do with any of that. It's like a child, like rolling down a grass field. With <laughs> and it's like, well, how, like, how, how can anyone make a consciously informed choice about their health when that is what they're watching on television? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I will look at the imagery and I'm, I'll be like, what? Who put this together? <laughs> what? What heart string are they trying to pull on? You know, it like no sense. it makes, it no, makes sense. no sense. It makes no yeah. sense. Um, right. But if it was regulated by like an actual, you know, it's all like evidence based until they market it, then it's like, okay, well, you can put whatever you want on the television. So if that was kind of reversed and it was more of a like clinically based commercial, maybe it would not be this way, but it's kind of like a media and like brain entrainment process. Yes. Yes. And it's unfortunate and it sucks up my time with the, I don't already like, don't like commercials as it is, but I would way rather watch a commercial on like toothpaste than I would, you know, Lavera or I'm just making up names. They sound yeah. made up. They're well, they all are. made up. <laughs> yes. There, I was about to say, uh, um, that there's like this funny like short clip like a video meme i don't know if there's a word for video memes out mm-hmm. there, but it's like how drug companies name names and then it's just like two hands in a white glove and it's just like slapping on the keyboard and then <laughs> it shows the list of just like all the drug names spelled out and it's like yeah like literally like what the heck are you doing you make it so confusing no one knows how to say anything that they're on they don't know what it does their doctor told them to take it in like the 15 minute consult that they had because primary care doctors are under stress of treating like everyone that's sick yes. in this country. So it's sick care. It's not healthcare. We're in a yes. system of sick care. There's no financial compensation for actually curing people of any of their illnesses. We want people returning to the hospital. We want people sick because mm-hmm. they will buy your products. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's then, rough to say out loud as you're like, see your face, you're saying it. You, yeah. I know, like, this is very not Libra of me, um, but that is kind of where, like, where my personal barometer is on yeah. that scale. And again, like, not everyone is has a malicious intent, but yes, like, these are the side effects of the 
quote unquote medicine that they are. So. Yeah. And, it, and it, I mean, it's rough because we can try to be on the fair side of all this, but the reality is, and with most industries in the United States and in the world alone, there are a handful of people that are running these things, and those people are not necessarily of the best intentions. Um, you know, John Oliver did a, a wonderful show um, on his, uh, what is it, Last Week Tonight that airs on uh, HBO. And the last episode that came on, it was funny, I was watching it uh, uh, two days ago and preparing to talk to you. And he just <laughs> happened to be doing his big um, an expose on uh, basically the opioid crisis. And so, you know, which is obviously a big thing. I think it's, it's only growing, especially at this time with Jupiter squaring uh, Neptune in, uh, in Pisces and Jupiter and Sagittarius. Like I thought this is, it, not that it's, it's going to increase, but I think this is also the time where we're hopefully going to start to combat it or it gets so, the, the limit, it gets so like buried that we have to address it. Um, but he was talking about how there's like three major companies that uh, basically kind of push the pharmaceuticals or like are distributing them and kind of getting them out there. Um, it was like Cardinal Health, McKesson, and Amerisource Virgin or something like that. And um, he was talking about how they, like the one town, it was probably in West Virginia because I know they have a severe opioid crisis there. But one, one pharmacy there had uh, several thousands of you know, opiates sent there. And the population itself was only in the couple thousands of people. And so each person would have had like something like 7,500 pills to themselves which yes. is crazy. So, I mean, what's, what's that about? <laughs> and how do you feel about that becoming, you know, because I know your, your conscious Sagittarius rising self, you know, um, <laughs> it's, it, yeah, you're, you're brave to go into this, you know, yes. to some extent. Yes. <laughs> it, no, I, it, it is brave. Um, and yeah, there's a lot shifting, especially with the opioid crisis. It's funny, um, I got an email today from one of the like uh, pharmacy national groups that I'm associated with, and it was like um, X amount of doctors, pharmacists, and licensed professionals get arrested for selling opioids for like out-of-pocket or for sex. And it was in West Virginia, Alabama, and all of those states that are really uh, heavily being affected by the opioid mm-hmm. crisis. And actually, Rhode Island is like the seventh or like number seven on the bad list of um, like opioid deaths. Mm. So it is pretty prevalent in this tiny state as well. But I guess a little bit of the history of that, you can kind of blame uh, Vicodin which yeah. is yeah, one of the pain medicines mm-hmm. that's out there. And, you know, maybe when you were 17 and had your wisdom teeth pulled, you got a couple pills because that was just standard of care. Um, and it used to be regulated less strictly than it is now. So, um, like, they used to give this stuff out like candy, basically. A lot of states still do. But it's just created this culture where... Um, elder or not elder physicians who are kind of stuck in their ways know how they do things and how they run things and they know what works for people and what keeps them going from day to day and they're not going to budge from that but 
um, yeah, it really just is a multifactorial issue uh, coming from, you know, physicians thinking they're doing the right thing for so many years because that was the standard of practice. Mm -hmm. And then another like, oh no, we're doing the wrong thing moment. And now it's just like exposing how bad it actually is. And if you really do look at the statistics about the opioid crisis from state to state, there are those crazy things where it's like everyone in the state could have 700 pills of oxy in their house um, based on the amount that is ordered and distributed through the pharmacy. Um, yeah. So we're kind of back to a regulation, much like you're saying yes. with the with the ads as well. Like, you yes. know, it's um, not possible for that many people to, you know, consume that <laughs> much drugs. They'd all be dead, really. Um, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so. So so the DEA did end up like changing the class of regulation that Vicodin was in. And that was mm. kind of like the kickoff to combating the opioid crisis. Um, but like a lot of my the people that are in my like academic world are really on the forefront of that. So I've been lucky to kind of experience um, like how I was saying before, pharmacists work with antimicrobial stewardship. Now there's like a whole pain management, um, like I guess you could say stewardship effort in mm. pharmacy. Um, so yeah, a lot of what I've learned about pharmacy is that we're like risk managers. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea at 17 when I was like, I'm going to go to school for pharmacy because at that age, you're just like guessing what you want to be. You want to do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Luckily, my intuition was kind of guiding me for Good. Um, but yeah, you. I discovered that we are kind of like the barrier of safety um, for patients. So that's something that I really love about the profession. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this whole opioid crisis goes down. Yes. But- well, and you're also the barrier on the other side too, because when I went to go get a medication, actually around the time I had the MRI, they gave me this neurocontin or something like that. I forget what mm-hmm. it's called. I took one. I couldn't take it. I was like, I'd rather be in pain. I'm not Neurontin. into that. Neurontin. Thank you. Yes. So I have a whole bottle of Neurontin now that I'm like, oh, whatever, <laughs> I don't need that. But while I was there, there was a guy that was having it out with the pharmacy, uh, the pharmacist, basically, because I think he wanted a refill of some of the things that we're talking about here and he wasn't up for it and he refused to leave. And, and you know, and that's becoming reality for people that are in your position to even be in that, you know, if they don't have a refill or like having oh to explain God. that. I was getting a freaking uh, uh, cavity filled in the dentist's office a couple of years ago and they had to kick some guy out that was running through the halls causing trouble because he is trying to get another prescription for his painkillers too. And it's like, you know, that that's a rough place to put the, you know, practitioners in, you know, being that barrier. Um, because that's, you know, it's an addiction. That's a, that's a person who needs some help and, uh, not that kind of help, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so, yeah. Um, Hopefully you won't find yourself in that position since you're going to be in a unique position, which I would like to see more of. Um, <laughs> so I'm crossing my fingers there. Now, 
another side of this whole thing, because you are dancing in between that, you know, energy healing work and uh, even the place that you're going to, the apothecary, you're going to have uh, flower essences and, you know, all these alternative uh, modes, modalities of healing. And so, I mean, do you ever see insurance changing to help to incorporate this or is that going to be like a stalemate that you know because there could be money made off there if it's the money issue right right so do you think we'll ever be covered for alt medicine (laughs) um i hope so and i think that um i think it's like what we were saying before like as the consciousness continues to rise and rise and as those in power kind of have a turnover, I think we are headed towards a good trajectory there. But as of right now, like say you have a flexible spending account um, that you use for copays on your medications, even if you were to buy yourself like a multivitamin or a B12, you can't use your FSA account to like buy something that you're taking for your health if it's not a prescription. Mm-hmm. So even beyond like the like plant medicine, you can't even use it for like a vitamin. So that just irks me (laughs) very much. Um, So it would be, that would be like an achievable goal to kind of change the regulations about health spending accounts and flexible spending accounts. Um, But not everybody has those. And if you don't have insurance as a baseline and, you know, your access to anything is kind of just really crappy. But as far as like an insurance plan covering like a Reiki session, like how cool would that be if I could bill their insurance, like a regular practitioner that also comes down to legislation. It comes, it all comes back to, you know, um, I feel like I keep talking about pharmacy advocacy efforts, but something else in the pharmacy world that's going on is this battle for provider status. So if you were to look in like, the legislation and the regulations, pharmacists are not considered providers. So we cannot bill the insurance for our clinical services. So say Mm -hmm. someone, say I had a 10, 15 minute conversation with someone about the side effects that their medicine has and just really took the time to listen and answer their questions and just be myself. Um, If you were doing that in a doctor's office, the doctor could bill for like a 30 minute consult and get reimbursed by their insurance company. Mm -hmm. But since a pharmacist is not considered a provider where we have a dispensing function, not like a clinical. Yeah. Diagnosing type of prescribing. Mm -hmm. So we cannot bill for our time. We can only make money off of the co-pays from the medications that are dispensed. So there's a lot shifting with, that in just the pharmacy professional world. And then as far as alt medicine goes, like, you know, seeing a chiropractor, sometimes you can get insurance coverage for that. And then depending upon what state you live in, if you see a naturopath, um, naturopaths can, well, if it's a naturopathic doctor, so an ND as opposed to an MD, Mm -hmm. they can actually bill insurance and use the same like insurance codes as a regular physician would. So if you go through the proper channels and you get like um, the right referrals and paperwork and that kind of stuff, as far as like seeing a natural doctor that could be covered. But if you wanted to buy a flower essence off the shelf at the store and then use your insurance to cover it like a prescription, that is going to be 
that's going to be an uphill battle. Yes, that will be it. <laughs> well, and even getting to the the uh, the natural path, uh, you would have to probably go to a primary care physician first to get even a referral to be able to see an ND, right? Like versus, like you have to. That, it depends on the regs in each state. Yeah. yeah well, each, mm-hmm. each one is governed by like. Um, like there's like a board of pharmacy, there's a board of naturopaths, there's a board of uh, like physicians in each state and they kind of determine how much uh, each like profession can do. So if you're lucky enough to live in a state where naturopathic doctors have prescribing authority, then it would be kind of like you could just go, like they could be your primary care. Okay. I would love that. That's yes. Well, <laughs> so like Arizona, California, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, some places in the middle there. Yeah, twenty like ish states where you can do that. So it's happening. It's, it's happening. Slow. And it will. De- <laughs> and I'm sure it depends on your insurance too, because I'm. You know, it has to cover that as well. So not only do you have to be in a particular state that would accept that as coverage, then you'd have to have a policy that is also aligned with that as well, which is probably going to be a higher dollar one, at least, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what is it, a PPO or something like uh, to be able to choose. Mm-hmm. Am I saying the right acronym here? Yeah, it's like PPO, HMOs. HMOs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah PPO. PPO you can choose as opposed to like myself and my HMO. I'm like looking through the options and I'm like, whew. Yep. This is a, like yeah, not like the best list of, <laughs> and you know what else I discovered too, why I had to do, uh, I had really low levels of calcium, uh, like a year or two ago and, um, and vitamin D. So they gave me some kind of like super strong, you know, vitamins basically mm-hmm. that I was picking up and I was just getting them from my local target. I did two refills and on the third refill, I went there and they were like, well, we can't fill this for you um, at the insurance cost uh, because this is your. This is not the pharmacy that your insurance okay, is aligned with. Pharmacy. Yes. Yeah. So basically, they were like, you could pay full price for it here at Target, or you could resubmit the whole thing down to CVS, which is you know part of my. And so I'm wondering how that would affect you being in a unique scenario that is is something that's new and changing and whether or not you're going to run into people like myself, that's like, Oh, I'd love to shop with you and put my orders in there, but they're not going to cover me because you know, here we have another big business tie. Right. Right. Yeah. So the thing about independent pharmacies that aren't part of like a chain corporation. um, So there's metrics that center for Medicaid and Medicare services or CMS uh, puts out for physicians, pharmacies, um, and just like people who provide healthcare. So you may have heard of like star ratings before, or like when you're searching for a provider, it'll give you like how many stars they have based Mm -hmm. on your insurance plans, like algorithm. Mm -hmm. So there's all these different metrics that you can meet and that, so if your pharmacy store Um, has like an 80% or above adherence rate, meaning your patients aren't skipping fills month to month. um, And like, which would indicate that they're taking their medicine properly because the whole intention behind star ratings is to optimize outcomes for patients. So it's a good idea, um, hard to implement and kind of a pain in the bum Mm -hmm. um, unless you work really hard. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, 
run by like a CVS chain where they have like corporate offices that make sure that every single pharmacy is a preferred pharmacy, um, then you're kind of like in limbo. But luckily, where I'll be working, we're pretty much a preferred pharmacy for a majority of the plans. So if you're filling prescriptions at Greenline, you're kind of like covered. And then there's the Mm -hmm. additional benefit of being an independent store where we can be straight up with the patients and be like, hey, this is cheaper if you pay in cash and don't charge your insurance company because pharmacists at CVS don't have that. Um, They kind of have uh, a lot of lock screens to go through in order to find like a cash price for a medicine if you were going to do that because like CVS in particular is kind of like a, what do you call that? Like a vertical model where they own like the, their own insurance plan and Cardinal health is a part of the CVS company as well. So yeah. their distributor, their insurance, their pharmacy stores are all connected. They're all in one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah, that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. Well, I just had a, and this wasn't on our agenda, but I'm going to ask you this because this happened the other day uh, to my, my boyfriend here who he needed a, um, it was like an acid reflux medicine, right? And uh, he had gotten it prescribed and they, they sent it in and he, well, and they prescribed it like a month ago and he still hadn't gotten it. I was like, you need to call them and have them put it in. So he finally did it. He goes down there. He's like suffering. He was like really having a hard day that day. Oh. And he comes back and he's all, I was like, oh, did you get it? And he's like, no, I didn't get it. They were trying to, they said it cost $250 with my insurance because they had called in a a non-generic. And so he had to go and call his doctor again, have them actually put in the uh, prescription for a generic, go all the way back down to the pharmacist and then spend $25 on the bottle. And so why is that? Why do we have a generic why is a designer drug? Who's buying these? I know this is a loaded question and tell me what you will, but That's it just okay. came to mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another interesting, we'll use that word. Yes. About <laughs> pharmaceuticals. Such a Libra. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And Libra as yeah. well. As um, so they're all patented commodities, right? So, mm. One company, like I said, spends $20 billion making omeprazole, which is one of the um, acid medicines. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so they have this patent for, say, 20 years. And during that time frame, the generic uh, version of the medication is not allowed to be marketed or sold in competition with that medicine. So you are kind of like back before all the generics that we have today existed, like you were kind of stuck. The the insurance was stuck covering the price of that medicine as well as the patient covering the copay, whatever Mm -hmm. it turned out to be. Um, But in actuality, the chemical entity that is giving you the benefit, whether you take, um, what is it like? Oh, wow. I'm blanking. Well, Nexium is esomeprazole, and I'm remembering that one right now. It's the same yeah. class of drugs. I don't know how you remember them all to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a day-to-day learning experience. Yeah, I'm sure. So you have uh, you have Nexium, which could cost like an exponential amount, exponentially higher amount of money than mm-hmm. esomeprazole, but Nexium is just the patented proprietary name for esomeprazole. Mm. So 
you are ingesting the same chemical and the prices are just outrageously different only because we're allowed to patent chemical entities as like as marketable goods. Yeah. So generics are good. It just, there's like that lag time between a new drug coming to market and when a generic of that drug come is out to be marketed. Gotcha. Um, so the people who buy like brand name Claritin because they're convinced that Claritin is the only allergy medicine that works for them, a little bit like jokes on you because you could buy the store brand that just says the chemical name and have the same benefit. Granted, there are different fillers. So some people have allergies to certain fillers that are mm. in the tablets and the powders and that kind of stuff. So I'll exclude you, exclude, exclude you guys from that comment, but <laughs> for the most part, um, it's a big, it's a big dupe on all of the patients. Uh, and doctors who write for brand only that honestly, that's really like not in practice anymore. That physician may have been having like, an alternate agenda where he wanted to receive the reimbursement from the insurance, insurance com- yeah. brand. But um, the only time people who like the only time people really are adamant about getting brand name medications are when, um, well, there's certain medicine medicines like Synthroid that are really sensitive. So people kind of stick with one brand over time and there's this whole, belief that Synthroid brand is better than the generics, but that's a whole nother myth to debunk. Oh, belief all over the place, all over (laughs) the place. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it really just comes down to being informed and being able to make the right choice because it's not required to take the brand medication by any means, but there are like, I have patients who will pay $500 a month for a brand name migraine medication because they are convinced that it works better than the generic. And it's like, okay, like that. I feel like swipe your card, I guess. Yeah. We're back to the <laughs> placebo effect essentially, but right. in a different way. Um, right. and if the they no have the money, effect. yeah, the nocebo. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's what they call it. That's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how funny. I mean, uh, well, if they can afford it, they can afford it. That's the way they'll use their money. Um, exactly. But a lot of that's us don't even, resonance. yeah, a lot of us don't even have that luxury to be able to make that choice. Not to mention, <laughs> you know, you have to take two trips. Like you had to go, like that, that's an, yes. an inconvenience on many levels. And for someone who was uh, visibly in pain that day and he really needed help and he was literally turned away essentially because of this, you know, the discrepancy with what was called in, the prices, you know, all that. Now, granted, he was able to go home, do what he needed, go back. But that's someone yeah, who's in that's, pain that's in for system. hours. Yeah. yeah, that's a hole in the system. Exactly. And that shouldn't, um, that shouldn't be, you know. Um, oh gosh, there's so much we could talk about. I'm not going to talk here. I love everything that you've shared so far because I think these are conversations that we need to be having and just putting it out there in the open just so we even know what's, you know, acknowledging what's going on, seeing where things are headed in the future. How can we make this better? How can we have people like yourself, you know, like start to integrate these two worlds? Um, because we really need that and to not like lose our roots in a sense of, uh, you know, what, we took took thousands of years to learn, you know, and is maybe not empirically tested, but there is 
spiritual understanding there um, mm-hmm. as well. So now before we go here, I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to learn about because we know about vitamins and supplements and there's so many things out there and, you know, you can have a whole cabinet full of things you think you need to take and, you know, multivitamins, <laughs> all this stuff. Uh, I, I mean, is there any couple things that you would recommend for either prevention, optimal health, you know, things that we could benefit from that are probably over the counter? Yeah. Um, I'll give you a nice spectrum of like chemical products as well as like non-pharmacologic therapy. Gotcha. So optimal health wise, I would recommend meditation to everyone. Mm. Um, I'm sure a lot of listeners um, have their own spiritual practice or whatnot, but if not, I'm going to encourage you to meditate because just the the society we live in and our day-to-day lives are super stressful. We are always in this state of like, I have to be aware of everything that's going on. You're always in this kind of um, fight or flight mode. Not to say that you're always being threatened, but we're always being triggered by external stimuli. And just that happening puts your body um, into the sympathetic nervous system state, which in other terms, is the fight or flight response. And all of the chemicals running through your body are um, increasing your heart rate, increasing your blood pressure, uh, increasing your blood sugar, and just kind of wreaking havoc if it happens for a prolonged period of time, which just by the nature of being in the Western world, it is a chronic issue. So stress management is a key, key, key point to preventing any type of disease that may manifest for you. So meditation, yoga, Reiki, I just think meditation is super accessible. There's a lot of free resources, free apps, free. And it's free. It itself is free. (laughs) It is absolutely free. (laughs) You breathe whether you're conscious of it or not. Yeah. Yes. I invite you to be conscious of your breath. I love Um, it. (laughs) And then as far as like a supplement, um, I would recommend magnesium. Mm. mostly because um well i'm i i'm doing like a little mini presentation on it for my like where i'm working right now next week so i that's been on my brain but uh magnesium is like part of like over 300 chemical reactions that go on in the body and most people don't have the optimal magnesium level that we should have which is about well, you don't need to know that. So yeah. <laughs> but if you were to supplement, mm-hmm. I looked up the dose so I could be a real pharmacist for you guys. So the <laughs> ideal uh, daily intake of elemental magnesium is less than 350 milligrams. So essentially you don't want to take more than 350 milligrams of elemental magnesium. So what that means is um, the magnesium comes with kind of like a salt attached so that they can make it into a pill form. So there's like magnesium oxide, magnesium chloride, magnesium mm. sulfate, all those kinds mm-hmm. of things. So um, magnesium chloride is really well absorbed of all of the salts. So if you're going to choose one type of magnesium, I recommend magnesium chloride. And it can help with things like depression, anxiety. Um, and it just allows the body to function optimally. And then from like the spiritual side, magnesium is also said to allow the body to um, 
adjust the meridians to all of the energetic downloads that we're kind of getting as we continue to awaken. So if you're in the middle of your awakening, you feel super stressed, uh, magnesium might be a good place to start for you. Mm. Um, so when you read the bottle, it's going to say like magnesium, 500 milligram tablets, but you want to look for that elemental magnesium level and you want about 200 milligrams a day of that. So usually it comes out to being like four pills a day, but it depends on what bottle you get. Mm. So just read it and take it as directed. And yes. If you have any chronic conditions, please consult your pharmacist or doctor before <laughs> yes. taking anything new. Yes. Um, I also would say B12 is like harm-free, all good in the hood supplement um, just for like normal circadian rhythm and energy during the day and also dream recall. Mm. So that is another one I would recommend. Normally it's like one milligram. I might say 1,000 micrograms, which is the same strength. Um, and that is a water-soluble vi- vitamin. So any excess, you'll just urinate out. So no mm. worries about So there, you don't have to worry about the cap. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. So meditate, magnesium, B12. Um, and then if you're into plant medicine and you're not on any medications or you know for sure that it won't interact, um, maybe you could message me to <laughs> ask that question if you listen to this. Um, but I love rhodiola rosea. It's an adaptogen. Uh, so that's another kind of like stress management, anxiety product that most even pharmacies will carry. Um, if you're looking for a reliable source for plant medicine, I would recommend mountainroseherbs.com. It's an mm. apothecary based in Oregon, but they ship nationally in the U.S. So. And what was that called again? Uh, the the type of the, me- the medicine. The medicine itself. Rhodiola rosea. Rhodiola rosea. Yeah. Yes. Rhodiola Mountain. is like the, the easy name, but rhodiola. Yep. Rhodiola. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So Mount. You said Mountain Rose Herbs. Yep. Com. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have a bunch of cool stuff there. I love that site. I just like the name. (laughs) I'm like Mountain Rose. Oh, (laughs) yes. Well, fabulous, John. You've shared so much uh, of something I never talk about, but I'm definitely very much interested in. Um, (laughs) And we should all be because we're talking about health here. And... um, understanding, you know, the conditions that we are working within, the system we're working within, what else is actually out there for us to, you know, interact with or to ingest or, you know, all that stuff. The, you know, knowledge is power in these situations. Yes. And, you know, if you're bombarded with those uh, Chantix commercials, you know, there are other things out there <laughs> like John here that has, you know, um, can open our minds to different ways of looking at uh the system that we're in and hopefully the improvements um, that will be underway here as time goes on and people in your generation are going to help hopefully bring these things to the forefront because I'm telling you, you know, I'm about 15 years older than you and I'm, you're, these people, these people, you people that are coming out now, like you, you're, more there's advancement happening with you know who's being born and we are going somewhere spiritually i think that are breaking down these old systems um but it's going to take a while and it's going to take 
the patience of these soft shifts basically to happen in order to get there to a better future, hopefully. (laughs) So, uh, always come back and continue the work that we've done in this lifetime. If you believe in reincarnation. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny because I'm trying to set up a show about that as well. So more on that to come. Um, But yeah, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed. So there is that. (laughs) All right, John. So where can people find you if they wanted to book a Reiki uh, consultation or the pharmacy that you're talking about? Give us all those details, please. Okay, so I do have a website where you can book a Reiki session with me. Uh, It's www.rxeiki.com. So like Rx, like description and Reiki, like Reiki. (laughs) I I think that's so clever, the the name that (laughs) you have chosen. It's perfect. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm considering a shift there, but for now, that's what it is. Okay. (laughs) And... The pharmacy I'll be working at is called Greenline Apothecary. So if you're in Rhode Island um, or maybe like Southern Massachusetts, come check me out in Providence starting in July. Um, And a special offering that I have going on right now um, is actually kind of like a Reiki and astrology and more hybrid that I'm doing with my friend Marlena. She's been an astrologer for like over 20 years and we've kind of joined forces to create this offering called Balancing Spectrums. Hmm. Um, So we're going to kind of uh, take a look at all of the polarities that are going on within the people that we're working with and try to bring balance to that through a bunch of different exercises and practices. So we're offering um, Tonglen, which is a loving kindness meditation. This is all going to take place in a two-hour session. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're trying to work with me, this is what I would recommend for right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to do some loving kindness. Marlena is going to go through your moon energy and your black moon energy. So kind of that spectrum of (laughs) the moon placements you have going on in your chart, um, black moon, also known as Lilith. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I'm going to lead us in a Reiki healing for whatever comes up during that. So perhaps you identify some things in your life that you want to transmute or, um, you have some fears underlying that are kind of governing some of your decisions. I'm going to kind of hold space for those to be, lifted and uh, catalyzed for your highest good. And then we're just going to close with a nice Oracle reading. So if that session is something you're in resonance with, you can sign up for that on my Instagram page, which is simply just at R-X-E-I-K-I, like the website. Um, And there's a link in my bio for that. So if you'd like to connect, those are probably the best options. <laughs> oh, I love it. What a unique offering. And I know. Yes. I'm so excited. I, you know, and I love this stuff too, because it's like, you know, we, we talk about how the world is shifting so much and like even what it is we do for a living and how we interact as people, these are all shifting. Um, and people are afraid they'll be losing their jobs during, you know, as Uranus moves through Taurus, we have automation, you know, all this stuff coming up, but we're creating all these opportunities and these pockets of community to be born where we can yes. basically help each other within it um, and redirect where we put our funds and our money and what it is we do and 
I think that's an, a unique example of that. Um, just in what you guys are offering, what you guys, that the fact that you're pairing together, you know, like I feel like these community offerings and, uh, and, and entertainment really also, which is another thing, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we are really going forward in, in that and total tangent uh, I'm on right now. But as you were <laughs> saying that, that's just what came to mind. So I was just going to get mm-hmm. it out there. Um, yes. No, I so, totally yeah. feel that this year is all about coming into community. So I resonate with that. Well, and how perfect for uh, for a Libra stellium in the eleventh house. You were <laughs> exactly. meant to do just that. So, talk per- about Trinity Pharmacy. Yes. So, all right. Well, in case you missed some of those links, I will definitely put them on my blog a post as well, so you can get to John. Um, and so, where can you find that? Well, you can find that over at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And of course, if you'd like to support the podcast, I do have my Patreon uh, with different tier subscriptions that you can find at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And of course, uh, like John was saying, I also do consultations. So if you would like a astrology consultation or one of my tarot meets astro uh, sessions, uh, you can reach out for that as well. Um, and okay, so we had a fantastic conversation here uh, with things that people may not know about. So you may want to share this with a friend, give it a nice review on iTunes, you know the whole spiel, but basically spread the good word. Um, because if I didn't know this or wasn't part of this interview, I would like to know more. So. <laughs> Get it out there, people. Uh, so, all right, John, thank you so much again for joining me. You were a pleasure to talk to. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope you all enjoyed. And um, yeah, blessings of light and peace to all those who watch this or listen, rather. <laughs> yes. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.